You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hey everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast, On With Me is a good buddy of mine that I've known for a long, long time, Scott Summers. Scott, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dirk. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Scotty, just a little recap or summary. Uh, We have known each other, God, I want to say going back to like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, we played hoops together. Uh, Summy, as I call him, was always our star hooper. And uh, I just was there playing defense, watching him drain threes from deep. (laughs) Uh, And we ended up going to high school together. And, you know, the interesting thing about this podcast for me is I've always thought if I could go back in time, I would be really interested in what Scott has done. And I know it's not an easy career, um, but there's a lot of things I'm naturally interested in about. So I'm excited to interview him. But the thing is interesting too, Scott, is, you know, you and I have a similar background with technology, NetPodium, Akamai, you know, we kind of were in that streaming world together. And then we both kind of did a 180. Uh, I think you've been with USI for about 19 years. That, that's correct. Correct. You got it right on. 19, yeah, I'm, 19 I'm years wa- in June. <laughs> I'm watching you. I know everything about you. So anyway, I'm going nice. to let uh, Scott. Okay. So Scott works in commercial insurance. And if I say it wrong, he'll correct me, but property casualty. Um, and, you know, Scott, if you're, um, say, heading down to California to go, uh, see your daughter at college and someone sits next to you in the plane and ask you what you do, how would you respond? Oh, that's great. I, you know, it's the, it's kind of the elevator pitch or uh, the airplane pitch, but yeah, I think it's uh, first and foremost, I, I'm all about my clients uh, and, and, and obtaining new clients and the role I like to have is kind of their, their trusted advisor um, viewing it as kind of an overall risk management advisor position where I really have to dig in and understand the nature of what they do with their business, uh, whether it's owning and developing properties in the real estate world or the tech in the technology world. I've got clients kind of across the gambit, but it's it's really diving in and understanding uh, a company's business or an individual's business, and then assessing the risk that's involved with it and finding the best uh, placements for them from an insurance and risk management standpoint. Yeah. So when you made the transition. Were you like, what was it about this industry or this career? Cause it was very different from your background. Uh, not, I mean, still sales, but what, what was it about commercial insurance that kind of did it for you? Yeah. I felt like I've always been pretty good at, at, uh, assimilating things technically, like learning a, a new business. Technically, you and I both came from a technology background where we had to constantly be evolving and learning new things. So I, I figured I could probably pick up the technical side of the business. But what I also liked about it is that uh, I knew I had a good sales background and I really enjoyed the relationships you develop in, in sales. And it, in the in the world of insurance, one of the best parts about it to me, the most attractive parts of it is you 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 gain somebody's trust and fortunate enough to land a new client uh, in our business, you're then incentivized to keep them as a long-term client. And it's an, it's an annually renewing relationship where you're, you're constantly 
obviously your customers' businesses are evolving and you have to adapt. And, and uh, if you do a good job for them and they're loyal, uh, it's a, it's a long-term relationship. And I've got a lot of my clients are 15 year plus. Uh, so that, that what I thought I would enjoy it from that standpoint has proven to be the case over the years is you, you know, the ability to, you know, land and then keep a, a long-term relationship client. Yeah. So like, I, I talk a lot about that on my podcast in terms of not like, I'm going to ask you what you make, but like how you're compensated you know, yeah. in my world, I start over uh, every month and I, I have to do a lot of volume and, and I sell to consumers, right? People I know, yeah. people like you, friends, you're selling to yeah. businesses. So lots of questions I have, but when you first started, I mean, I, I don't know what age, 19 years. So, okay, I get an idea. Um, you're, you're going after these large companies selling to, by the way, who are the titles that you sell to? Is it C-level? Yeah, it's usually um, if it's a you know more of a traditional like a company, it would be the CFO usually or chief operating officer or a legal chief legal like general counsel at a company. I do I do a lot of work in the real estate development uh, and, and property ownership world where it's it's an individual a lot of times or LLCs that own properties. Okay. Yeah. So when you first started, like how? Was it hard to establish credibility? I mean, you're a younger guy, strong sales background. Like, and the reason I ask this is because if somebody's interested in getting into this line of work and they're trying to figure out, okay, how the hell am I going to start making money? How long is it going to take? Uh, what's your what's your two yeah. cents on like that process? Is it a five year window, seven year window? I mean, can you get lucky and land two big clients in a year? Yeah, you can. You can ramp fairly quickly. I'd say. Two years is the investment time that we look at a lot of times when we're bringing on new people or when I when I jumped into it that I, two years is a timetable to sort of ramp up when you come into the insurance brokerage world, at least at, at the size of firm that I'm at, you know, you they're willing to make a bet on you for a couple of years, they're going to pay you more than what your uh, book of business we, we call it, you know what what my client base justified, they were kind of betting on me for a few years, I, I did ramp quicker than, you know, what I think what the usual projections are, but two years is a, is a, is a good timetable and it, it becomes easier as you go <laughs> in the early days. You know, I'm, I was calling a lot more technology companies where I really sold them on the fact that I was just coming from the technology world into insurance. And I, maybe I had a more of a sense of urgency than the insurance world typically has. But then once you start landing clients, it becomes a really, it's a business that builds on itself and it gets, it gets easier if you're, if you're doing the job right. So is it normal to like develop a niche and say, hey, I sell risk or property casualty to the real estate environment? I noticed in your bio, you kind of work with all kinds of industries. Is that typical or do guys and gals in your profession kind of specialize in one? Yeah, it, it's it's becoming it's become more and more common over my the 19 years, I think in my 19 years in the business for specialization to really be a focus. Uh, it's it's. The, the easiest way to land new clients is to build your expertise and your brand in a certain area. And initially, I was a lot in technology and real estate. I've done some food and, and beverage. But when you start winning business accounts in a certain area and you, you really become specialized in what the 
risk management exposures are for that business, it just becomes a lot easier to, to walk the walk and talk the talk with, and, and those clients start referring you to other people in that, those lines of business and it, it gets easier. Yeah. So, you know, we both have friends in the business. You have competitors, people that I know. When someone <laughs> decides to go with you, like, you know, what is it? What is the, what's the reason? I mean, there's probably multiple. They, they like you, they trust you, but like, how important is it the team? Is it the products that only your company has or do all the competitors offer the same products? Is it just a typical, like, Hey, I like Scott better and I trust him or <laughs> what's Scott's the reason? a great guy. <laughs> yeah. He is a great um, guy. No, I think it's, um, we have really one of the coolest things about my time here is that we, you know, when I started, we were uh, a, a large regional based insurance brokerage, Kibble and Prentice. And then uh, a few years into it, uh, in 2006, we became part of USI. In both cases, they were you, my regional firm, Kibble and Prentice, and then the national firm I joined were strong in areas that I specialized in, where one of the, I think the coolest things is we've been able to develop proprietary offerings or uh, market relationships that are unique to us for, to make uh, that I can bring to clients and prospective clients, whether it's uh, like in real estate, we've got a, a, a really unique exclusive market for course of construction insurance when you're built, when you're building a project um, technology, we, we've developed some, we can customize policies to meet the ENO and cyber errors and emissions and cyber needs. So, yeah, when you build scale in a certain niche, you can actually really customize the, the the product offerings in the insurance world around what you're focused on. Yeah, I mean, like in my industry, sometimes, not sometimes, it's hard to differentiate because <laughs> we all sell the same products and programs. And so Easy I was just to commoditize. Yeah it, yeah, it is. But in yours, it sounds like you could be very different than the competitor next door because of a niche that you have. Correct. Yeah. You, and, and then again, you're, you're coming up with maybe some, you know, ideas that are differentiated for how you're going to go about either the, you know, the shopping and placing of the insurance or the customizing of the, the policy around it, or you're having like a real proactive claims, you know, when, when, when your clients actually need the insurance to respond to something that's going on, having a, a unique approach on that can be differentiating too. Is that a, like an opportunity to shine? Like when things get bad, let's say there's a, there's an issue and I don't, I mean, you can probably are, give me a million of them, but something's yeah. going down that's stressing out the CEO or the company. Now they need help. That to me <clears throat> seems like a time where you kind of earn it. That's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, there's a guy in my office says, you know, insurance is just a stack of papers until you, uh, until you actually need it. And it's, it's true. It's, um, that's where we do have an opportunity to show, you know, a sense of urgency, really dig in and understand what's going on with your client um, and, and have that insurance that they're paying a lot of money for respond to address it. So when someone says, yes, Scott, I want to go with you guys, I would like to, is that typically a year commitment then? Yeah. Yeah. You're, normally we're placing policies that annually renew if it's if it's like a development project it's gonna it, it could be longer than a year you know that that policy specifically could be longer than a year and there's some multi multi-year deals we do but in general it's kind of a year-to-year -year thing and you start the process early in the year to renew and then um you know they're they're kind of committing to you for that that year forward you know oftentimes when you win new clients it does it it, it ends up happening 
mid-year, but but the policies, by, most of the policies renew on an annual basis. Yeah. Okay. So when they are signing up with you, you know, I know that with every good salesperson or group, there's a team that, right. you know, and especially in my industry, who are they getting? Like, are they getting a team? Is it depend on how large the company is and how big the account? Are they getting a team of 10, five, 20 people? No, it's a great question. And that's, uh, I think you, that was part of your question earlier too, that I, that I could address now is that it's definitely one of the things we've really prided ourselves on is, is being able to have a deep bench of technical resources. So there's going to be a counterpart to me that handles the day-to-day side, like the administration on the account an account manager or account executive, we call them. Um, and then there's this team of technical, more technically oriented folks, like on the claim side, if you have something go wrong there, that's all they're doing is eating, breathing and sleeping, you know, managing claims for our, our clients. Um, we've got specialists around like tough property insurance placements, which is becoming really important with all the, the catastrophic things that are going on in the property insurance world. Um, we have specialists around property, uh, public companies, uh, directors and officers liability is a huge uh, coverage area where we have expertise. So yeah, you're tapping into this bench of probably uh, anywhere from five to 10 people during the course of the year that can touch your account with their different specializations. I have somebody that really uh, looks at contract reviews with me for my clients. That's another big area where we, you know, can differentiate ourselves. So yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, we want our clients to feel like our team is an extension of theirs. And it, it, it's, uh, it's up to me to be kind of the, the quarterback of that team. And I get them hooked up with the right area of expertise at the right time to address wh- whatever's going on with their business. So when you land a large client, um, I, I want to get into kind of that process a little bit. Timeline, I know it can vary. But once you have somebody in contract and you're their go-to, how how involved are you like is it an everyday you're getting calls about issues or can it go quiet for three weeks nothing's really going on i mean are you if you have 10 clients are you dealing with those 10 clients every day of the year no definitely not i think it's it's a you know it's a difference in personalities with who you work with um you know some some of my contacts that my clients prefer a little more interaction. We, what I would say is we try to have a bare minimum, a a quarterly touch point with our clients. Now, again, the ones that are active, I mean, I've got as much as a weekly or biweekly call with some of our biggest, most active clients, clients that are looking at, they have a lot of transactions going on. They have a lot of um, exposures with their business, whatnot, where it becomes, the need becomes weekly or biweekly, but in general, at least a quarterly touch point with, with clients. And that, that seems to be a good uh, kind of cadence that we follow with a lot of our clients. Okay. Obviously there's going to be things in between that come up that um, you got to leave time for too. But uh, yeah, that's, that's general rule of thumb. So if you have a, I'm just curious, like if you have a yeah. team of six that is on an account, a large account, I mean, you, you, scaling, right? There's only so much time in the day. There's only so much work that we can do. If you you get more accounts, does that mean that you're just bringing on more additional support, or do those can those teams handle thirty different clients, or do they say, hey, we're capped at five? I mean, yeah, we try to provision enough to allow for growth, and and certainly we'll add members if uh, we've we've been fortunate enough to have like record growth the last couple years in a row in Seattle with USI and uh, 
we've been adding and augmenting, particularly on that technical side, but then also the day to day, you know, uh, I said my involvements, at least on a quarterly basis, but a lot of, you know, the bigger clients that from an administrative standpoint for things like certificates of insurance or evidence or the loans closing where we have to show insurance evidence that that can be almost a, a daily thing. And so, yeah, we've got to be cognizant of that and be ramping the team uh, as needed. Okay. Um, and then as far as this, the process of like, I know it can vary. You've been in the business 19 years. I'm sure some deals have happened quicker than others, but is there an average ramp up timeline associated with kind of start to finish of like winning a deal? I mean, is that a six month, a year long, a, a three year long process, or does it just really depend? Um, you know, it, it does depend. I think you're going to, we're in like, I do a lot of work with real estate owners, developers, and it's a particularly tough market for the, the big uh, insurance premium driver for those folks, which is property insurance. So you see more movement and quicker sales cycle time in this kind of market of what we call a harder insurance market. Mm -hmm. uh, in general, I, I would say, I bet the average is, you know, two to three years chipping away at a big client before you you get that opportunity to, you know, again, it can come quicker and a lot of times it does, but I'd say it, it, you know, anywhere from a one to three year sales cycle, unless again, there's times where people come to you because they're, they're having some challenges or some pain around something where it, it that, that tends to con condense the sales cycle. And as sure. far, as far as loyalty, like what happened, like, I'm just trying to think like you get new management, right? Uh, a new CFO comes in or whatever. Is that kind of a, a vulnerable period where you're like, oh God, <laughs> my relationship has just left. I mean, is that sure. the, I mean, what are the things that scare you in this business? New, new management. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure I, you and I are pretty, I know we work hard. We're pretty intense guys. <laughs> like yeah. got what, what are the things that, you know, and the reason I don't want to be negative about if you're going to yeah. get into this business, you have to understand, I mean, there's, some stress, right? Where, where's the stress come from? It, it, no, you're, you brought up a great point. Um, our business has always been very relationship driven. And one of the, and, you know, I like to think that folks that I have worked with like to bring me in and look at situations that where they, there's movement, they go to a different company that they'll at least reevaluate and maybe look for an opportunity. Uh, so that, yeah, it's always a concerning time when when there's a like a, a CFO that I've worked with leaves and the company brings in a new CFO that might have pre-existing relationships. That's always, you know, that puts us on a little bit of an alert. Um, we got to keep doing the great job we're doing and hope that that wins them over. Um, and you may put more time in that year to, to, to develop that relationship further. But yeah, that 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 can be a an, an agent of change. I think companies either experiencing huge rapid growth or the other way or, or struggling that can oftentimes lead to a reevaluation of, of, of this kind of relationship and the harder market that we're seeing right now, like I talked about, will lead to a lot more reevaluation maybe than in, in other years. So if a company is struggling with the economy or whatever, they may edit, change, revise the policy they have with you, you know, where their premium I don't know if the word premiums, even the word you guys use, but maybe they're not spending as much on insurance. Right. Uh, right. so, and then would that bounce them out of your, like, do you have minimums? I, I mean, yeah. as far, okay. 
Yeah, I, I typically, uh, my team and I work with accounts that are typically uh, paying 100000 or more in, in overall insurance premium for their okay. business. And I focus on, uh, as you said earlier, property and casualty, which is another word for liability, uh, which includes like management and professional liability. Uh, we have another, the other largest group uh, within USI is employment employee benefits, health, health insurance plan placement for companies. Um, so that, yeah, I, we typically in my side and on the benefit side, that, that hundred thousand premium is usually a good, uh, gate. So yeah. I'm curious, like, I've never asked you this, but like, would you have a same, um, interest level in the benefit world as you do in property and casualty? Like this, is it, if you like property and casualty, does that mean that you like benefits or are they, <laughs> are they totally different animals? They are totally different animals. There's some things, I mean, I think the service side of our businesses is, is somewhat similar, but um, I find with what I do, what I, what I think I enjoy about it that might not be the same in the benefits world is that um, I have to kind of uh, design a commercial insurance program around that company's unique exposures. Uh, what they do, I, I have to learn a lot more about what they do. Health plan wise, you've got to be really sharp on, you know, health plans, but I think it, it's a little more homogenous than, than my side, but, but it, you know, they're both, um, you know, require placement and support of, of, uh, of the insurance. So it's, it's similar in that way. Okay. Yeah, but I know it's a totally, I would not claim to know <laughs> the world of health insurance. And it's, uh, I, I would, I, we have a great cross referral program though. That's one of the nice things about each side being about 40% of the business. And then we do some other, you know, retirement plan work and personal insurance, but I have great partners that I can refer my client, my commercial insurance clients to for, for the benefit side of what we do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I used you years ago. I think you hooked me up with course of construction policy with somebody there, which went, yeah. Really, yeah. yeah so, um, and then when you're devising like a, a, a product or a program for a company, you said, are you actually the creative side or, or, or is the client saying, this is what we want? Or are they, or are you actually coming to them, telling them what they should have? What's that like, what's that, give and take kind of relationship like? Yeah, that's, that's one of the more, I think, enjoyable parts and interesting parts of our job is that you, you know, I get a chance to come in prospectively and look at, there's things that I gather about a prospective client's business to assess their risk, uh, things about their, the properties in which their business is located, the, the products they have, the, the revenues, the payrolls, et cetera. And we can, and then we come in and make kind of a tailored set of recommendations around it. And I, USI and, and Kibble and Prentice before, uh, which, you know, evolved into USI, uh, we focus on what I'd say is like the middle market and upper middle market, bigger, the bigger brokerages out there than USI, um, that focus on like large fortune 500. We, we, we do, we do go after that segment too, but those companies tend to have people that are only doing program design and only doing um, some of the other, the, the placement of certain layers uh, at USI. I get to really line up the team to help me with that technical expertise, but I, I get to be the lead on that, which I really, I really enjoy uh, yeah. the size of business that we work with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're We're a lot more hands hands on and and I think nimbler than some of our bigger competitors in that way. 
but yeah. Your, your exposure, I mean, you must have learned a lot like behind the scenes, uh, like what these, you know, I remember when I worked for, I, I was selling Costco when I was at broadcast.com and we were in with the, the top people. And it was interesting. Like we, for example, we learned how razor thin their margins are, right? Like, I mean, very, you know, there's not a lot of profit per product or deal. So you yeah. must really get intimate. I mean, you must learn a lot about these companies and how they roll and kind of what makes it work and what, what they kind of get worried about. No, definitely. We got to, we got to understand what's driving their, their balance sheet and their biggest financial, what are the biggest, biggest financial concerns and risks with their business and, and how we can address them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also manage the program. You know, a lot of policies are, you know, audited, you know, if you're, if you're exp like your payrolls and sales are going up, you're going to, that's going to lead to a bigger premium. And so we have to kind of manage that and make sure we're managing projections with the businesses that we work with. Yeah. Accordingly. So people that are watching this, I mean, it could be really anybody, but if you're interested in this area or this, this industry career, you've seen, I mean, you and I are the same age. You've seen a lot of young men and women probably enter the field. Um, some have done well, some have bowed out. What's typically, what is the, what are the characteristics like, like that typically translate to people succeeding? Like, you know, you and, you know, I mean, I know some guys that you work with, but what is it a, like if someone's like thinking, gosh, am I going to be good at this business? What have you seen that says, you know, these are the two or three things that typically people that do well have these traits. Yeah. I think as a, uh, a salesperson and then specifically in the insurance segment, um, you got to get out there and meet a ton of people. Uh, it's a big, uh, we, we get really involved in community, in the community. We get really involved in associations, whether it's around real estate or technology or whatever uh, industry segment you've specialized in. We really, it really behooves folks in, with what I do to, especially when you're ramping up and trying to build a, a client base and meet a lot of prospective clients, it's getting out there and going to industry events, association events, uh, chamber of con I mean, stuff like that, that really gets you out meeting a lot of people. I think that's, a, there's a, they call it in our, we've got a, a thing that we send out community things that are going on in the community we call it working the pond. Uh, but it's literally, you know, developing centers of influence and whatnot. You've also got to spend time developing your technical knowledge. You have to get licensed in insurance. You go through a, you know, kind of a, a, a training and you have to take, you know, tests to pass. It's not quite as, as uh, arduous as like uh, financial, the financial world, but it's, it, you know, you have to get licensed. And so you got to ramp up technically. You got to be out there meeting a lot of people and maybe you start realizing where you're going to gravitate towards specializing with your business. And that that's really important. Um, and just getting, having a really high, high activity level of, of calls and, and getting meetings is, is key in the so early days. I know you're a humble guy. I know, but you're one of the top, I mean, I know you're one of the top guys in your industry. Uh, it took a while, right? I mean, it's not, it, I, and I say this because people need to understand there was probably a period of time. You did say you ramped up pretty quick, but I mean, it's a, it's a contact game, right? I mean, you got to get out there, make the calls, do the meetings. I mean, it's not an overnight kind of thing. No, exactly right. It's uh, I think you got to be ready. I, I think that two-year window is where you, I think that's a great um, goal to be really in those early days. Uh, it's key to be 
you, once you start, you want to, we, we're really big on team selling here and getting other folks involved where I started calling on big accounts right away, involving other folks from my team, where I knew that um, I'd, I'd be deferring a little bit more to their expertise and their knowledge, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a ramp. It's a, it's a curve like anything, but it, the quickest way to learn is to actually be developing opportunities and be talking to the types of businesses that you want to be working with. You can't, you can't shy away from that, even though you might be somewhat newer to the industry, you got to grab your colleague that has the experience and start learning and by, uh, by going out on calls with them and seeing how they're doing things. And, and uh, that's a way to really speed up your ramp, but, but you have to be patient too. There's a, I'd say that, you know, again, like a two or three year window of, of learning the business, getting, getting the calls and getting the experience. Is there anything that surprised you that you didn't see coming like good or bad? Like, you know, you thought you knew what it was going to be, but maybe your 10th year in, you're like, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's something like you're surprised. Maybe people aren't as loyal, you know, that you thought these would be clients and they're not like, is there anything that you might want to like warn people about that? Hey, I, I didn't understand this up front, but you know, 10, 15 <laughs> years in, you know, this is a reality that you have to deal with. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, what was unique, I had the technology background like you before I got into the glamorous world of insurance. And I thought for sure that I would, that would be one of my major focuses and niche client base wise. Um, and it has been, and I really enjoy calling on and working with technology companies. The thing about the technology business though, that we, we all know living in this area is there's there's the big whale companies like like Microsoft or or Google, but a lot of the 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 medium size you know medium to larger mid sized companies, there's a lot of movement and they they sell. I so I've I've fought hard to win technology clients and then had them sell and then they're owned by a, a big multinational firm where I don't you know they're they're going to move away from me because there's another relationship there. So I kind of learned. I thought maybe I'd have more in that technology world because I came from it and I do, but not as much as I, you know, maybe as I thought where uh, on the real estate side where I've gravitated toward a, a larger chunk of my business, you know, it's, it's uh, those tend to stay around longer and, and they're, you're not as worried about that M&A activity, I guess. Yeah, no, that's an interesting thing it brings up. Like, are you isolate? I mean, do you have a specific geography if they're head like, if a company's headquartered in Massachusetts, can you handle them? Or do you only handle like your region? Like, uh, you know, we all are used to territories and sales. How does it work in your world? I've been really fortunate. And I, I've loved that aspect of both Kibble and Prentice and USI is that we don't, you don't, we don't give territorial limitations. It, wherever, <laughs> I think the motto from Arnie Prentice, Chris Prentice on down as our, you know, kind of the, the regional leaders here, uh, relationships take you wherever they're going to take you. And we don't really set up rigid uh, territorial uh, guidelines. I will say that, uh, you know, I mentioned my real estate, the work that I do, I will definitely, one of the cool things about USI is I'm really encouraged to bring in my partners from different, like, I'm not going to know the, the nuances as much about like uh, placing in insurance for hurricanes and named storm areas uh, like Florida, South Carolina. I've been fortunate enough to have clients that have properties in those regions and I'll bring in my regional property specialist from USI in that area. So no, we don't, we don't have territorial. If I have a relationship, I can pull in experts from that part of the country to help 
with the placement, but, uh, but I can run with that relationship wherever it is. Do you ever have, do you, do you, do you ever compete with people inside the company and other areas or is that off limits? <laughs> no, it's, it, sometimes there's going to be somebody that has a prior relationship and it, it, it's really, you know, our motto, I think is the best ideas and the best relationships win. And so we, um, I think we collaborate pretty well within, within USI, but yeah, it can, you know, it can come down sometimes to, you got to figure out who has the best, um, path in at the, at, at, at the certain time. And, uh, it, it, it can lead to some healthy debates, but, but it usually, uh, you end up figuring out what the best path is. And, cool. you know, sometimes you end up collaborating with somebody where, you know, uh, and it, it, it ends up strengthening the cause. Yeah, yeah I get it. What, so let's yeah. get into a little bit about, I'm always curious, like the day, the week, the lifestyle, like, um, I'm assuming your phone is on often and it's hard to maybe shut it down because you might have something go on <laughs> on a Sunday night and you have to be available. What is your week like? Like if you had a piece of pie, would you say 50% is face to face, 20% is doing Zoom calls, 20% is trying to prepare and uh, for a deal or a presentation? Like how is your day or week? What does it look like? Well, thank goodness it's starting to be much more weighted toward the in-person meetings again. Uh, that's really key for our business. And I mentioned like those, if it's clients, it's those quarterly touch points. If it's um, prospective clients, I, I love to be having, you know, at least three to five meetings like that a week. Um, so yeah, I in an ideal world, and it's starting to get back to the, this where, you know, maybe 50, 60% of my time is out, you know, is going out and meeting with clients or, or prospective clients. And then um, I try to, what I, I carve up my week and it's pretty good to follow a disciplined approach on this, but I try to leave Monday and Friday are my days to really tie up loose ends in the office, maybe more so. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I focus on having meetings out in the field. Now, it, obviously it, it broaches into those other days, sometimes doing meetings based on people's schedules, but I try to have days that I target for being in the office versus, um, versus days where I'm out doing meetings. And, and there's a fair amount of, like, if we go out and land a new client, there's a lot of execution that has to go on. And I am very hands-on with the team on that. And that's, so if I've landed, it, it goes in cycles a little bit where if I've landed a bunch of new business, I'm going to be in the office more now helping the team execute on, you know, whether it's a, an urgent placement for a new client or that type of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're an introvert or a quiet guy or gal, I mean, this, I mean, this might not be the right route for you, right? I mean, you've got to get out there and, and socialize and, and hang out with people, right? I mean, it's not a, it's not a job you can do out of your closet. No, <laughs> no, that's a great point. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be a people person. I think you could, or, or, you know, I think I've got some of that. And then I've also got, I can get really passionate about what we're bringing to clients and you got to have that and that can energize you, but yeah, you, you need to be wanting to get out there and, and really stir the pot, so to speak, and be, uh, and meeting a lot of people and a lot of different businesses. Yeah. And then, and then Scott, we talk about like things that are part of a career, like, you know, like for me, freedom is really important. I, you know, like you, I've got kids, I've coached them all. I like mm -hmm. to, I like to go to bed with them, wake up. Like I like to be home. I don't like to miss holidays. What are the two or three non-negotiables that you get out of your industry? Like, I mean, it can probably depend on the person, but I mean, I, I would assume I obviously compensation, you're not capped. Uh, that's a good one, but what is it? What are the ones that do it for you? Like, what is it? 
that if you didn't have these two or three things, you might not be in the industry? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that insurance, the, this insurance brokerage has been a business where I could really manage my own time really well. And that's been important to me. And I, like you, I, I coached all my kids they are getting older now, but I, um, that family time has always been really important. Um, but also in our business, one of the non-negotiables is when you have a, a really important client renewal, I've got to be able to budget my calendar for that time of year or that, you know, that time of the month with a client to, to know that, um, I got to be really honed in on, on that. So that's a non-negotiable too. It's like, you know, it's, it's the work-life balance where you're, um, you're making sure that you're leaving time for crunch time when it's time to deliver for clients, but then you've also got, you can manage the hours in the day so that you've got time for the family as well. Yeah. What is, what would you say you love about the job the most? Like, I mean, I don't know if that's a too general of a question, but there's probably a why for you or a couple whys. Like what is one of them? I, I think it's um, the passion I'm able to, and the, and the, the knowledge of a client's business or their real estate portfolio, um, being able to translate that into where I'm a go-to person, I'm an extension of that company's team. That's that's what I really enjoy. I mean, yeah, our business is good from a monetary standpoint as you build your book and <clears throat> you develop these loyal client relationships that renew every year, but I really enjoy the aspect where I'm seen as a kind of a trusted advisor to, to my clients and, and a resource that is somebody they really look to all the time. Um, that that's important to me. And that's the kind of role I, I try to have. And that's, that's probably my biggest driver. Um, it, you know, day in, day out is actually, you know, delivering for clients or feel like you're doing absolutely everything you can for them. That, that's what I enjoy about the business the most, I think. So if someone's wanting to get into this, I mean, is there, is there, do you advise them on a, on, I mean, would you say get on with a big company, learn the different, or, I mean, what would you say to someone that's 25, 26 coming out of college and, or grad school? And they're like, I want to do this. What would you say to them? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think there's a way to go where, you know, some of our insurance company partners. So our business is, a, is, is a, we call it a three-legged stool. You know, I've, I'm the broker that goes out and I shop all the different insurance carriers and find the best placement for the client. So there's me, the broker, there's the insurance company, and there's the clients. Um, from my, in my role, I have to have a good sales, you know, background and, and training, but then I also, the insurance side can be picked up. I, I would recommend one of two things for people looking to get into our business. I would recommend, uh, there's great insurance programs now in a lot of schools, like I know Washington State has one that we've been picking people from quite often lately. Um, you could develop, you could choose to really focus on that side first, the technical insurance side and go to work for an insurance company or, you know, it'd be great if you come from a college program like that. Um, then you're going to have to pick up the sales training somewhere else. And that's where a USI has really developed a good, you know, sales uh, ramp up program now that we have. So that, I think there's some advantages to a bigger company from that, that standpoint. The cool thing about joining a smaller, maybe regional firm is that you're, you're just going to be learning on the fly. Uh, they might not have as much of a set curriculum, but you're going to get a chance to, to ramp just by hands on. So I think, um, again, there's a, you could go out and get a sales background first, or you could get the insurance background first and then, and then ramp on the sales side. A couple different ways to go. 
Um, I, I think either either has a lot of uh, validity to it. Um, I think I, I like what I did the way I did it, where I got the sale, like I got sales in a fast moving technology environment first, and then ramped on the the, the technical side of insurance by by getting into the business. But it it can go it can go either way. Yeah, for sure. I had a podcast recently with a really high end agent. They are like nationally ranked. And she was saying it's so like she would recommend getting other experience before getting into that world, right? Just so mm -hmm. you have and I could I could see like working for a business on an, on the risk side and just learning about the pains and the things that might keep them up at night, right? And totally. understanding like what's and then transferring that experience into your world. I could see that being a benefit as well. Um, as we wind down, Scotty, uh, I always ask a couple questions to each guest. One is, you know, if you were to come out of UW again, if you were to do it, uh, go back, rewind the clock, would you have, knowing what you know now, would you have jumped right into insurance or would you have still done the, the technology <laughs> route? I mean, like, how would you do it different if, if you would? I would say the only thing I do different, I, I really value the the technology sales background I got, I, if I could condense that window and have gotten into insurance a little bit sooner, say, you know, five, six years earlier, you know, maybe in my late twenties or early, yeah, I think I was 34 when I came over, which I was still, I gave me plenty of time, but I would, it's such a great business, the insurance segment that I, um, I kind of wish I'd gotten a little, a little bit sooner, but I do really value the fact that I got into something that had a, um, a faster pace and urgency maybe um that i could bring to this segment you know so yeah. i um I, I i do i i would recommend the way i took and maybe just get, getting into it a little sooner than i did but yeah i get it uh if you could let's just say uh, the other question if you couldn't be an insurance let's just say some some for some reason it was off the table i always ask this but like is there a dream job like if you could do anything and and the reason I ask this is because I think it's really interesting for people watching. So they're listening to you, you know, as an insurance person. But you know, I'm always curious, like, what would be that dream job if you could do anything? Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> I you know, if, if there were something, you know, entrepreneurial and sports oriented, uh, Dirk knows I'm a huge sports nut. Um, that you know, that would have been an, an interesting segment. Um, and maybe developing some kind of new ideas around whether it's sports marketing or sports management or something like that. I, that would have been really cool. I think if, cause I, I have such a passion for it. Um, and my daughter, actually my, my younger daughter, Claire is, is really interested in that. So I'm psyched to try to help her uh, see where she goes on that front. Um, but that, that would have been cool, but um, yeah. And I, and I almost went, I had always thought about going to law school, but we know there's enough attorneys out there. So I, <laughs> I, I, once I started getting a paycheck in sales, uh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't take that LSAT any further than just taking the, the LSAT. <laughs> no, you know, it's funny. I remember back in the day, you were the guy, like you were, you knew everything like uh, trivia wise, like we'd ask anything related to sports, like who had the most home runs in 1962 or whatever, like you just yeah. knew it. So I could see, I mean, I could see you being one of those broadcast, you know, or those uh, talk show guys, you know, um, I mean, there's a million of them, but I could my see dad, my that. dad grew up with a guy in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that was like running ESPN. Uh, like he was like the head, the lead production guy at ESPN. And I almost, 
took him up on an offer to go. I could have gone and interviewed with that guy, but I don't know if I had the quite the uh, <laughs> the charm to do that. But but it would have been it would have been an interesting path. We had another buddy that went has been with ESPN forever too. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what he'll be doing now. Um, I know. So is there anything, Scott, that you know, you're more intimate with your career, your industry than I am, but is there anything that I didn't ask that you think, you know, would be important, like on the tip of your tongue that you think this is really good for people to know if they are considering your, your industry? Um, I think it's important to know that it's, uh, it, well, insurance is, is, is there's cyclical aspects to it. Like there's, um, you gotta be, <laughs> you gotta be ready for there's, uh, like in what I'm doing right now, it's a super hard property market. And, um, you know, you, there's going to be, there's going to be cycles and you really have to be ready to weather, but in terms of, it's a pretty steady business in terms of how you can develop your, you know, the income from it, but there's a lot of ebbing and flowing and you have to, um, you just have to be patient and kind of realize that there are cycles that go through and, and in working with your clients, businesses have cycles as well, that you have to be attuned to, um, and, and not get, I guess, not get too flustered. You got to be, you got to kind of weather the, the different storms that come along it, either again with your business or your client's business, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, and one question, I guess I forgot to ask you, I don't know what yeah. your knowledge level is of AI, but it's something that pops up a lot because AI, I think will eliminate certain types of jobs for sure. Do you see yeah. it playing a role in the risk world? Uh, like, job, you know, policies being written by AI versus p human people, like, or do you see it just making it, you guys complimenting what you do? Well, it's, we're, that's one of the things I'm proudest about at USI is we really have been at the forefront of using AI to uh, inform, better inform our recommendations for our clients, leveraging, you know, this great wealth of information we have about clients and prospective clients around the country. Um, so that it is something we really need to be harnessing and providing using data to help our clients make their decisions. So I'm pretty excited about what it brings to the table, but you're right. If you're not at the forefront of that and always focusing on it, it's, you could be left in the dust too. So it's, that's something we're really putting a lot of time and our, the leadership team at USI that's been on, it, they came in like a year after we, my group Kibble and Prince became part of USI. We have had this management team from day one, they've really been focused on leveraging technology and, and AI is a huge part of that right now. So uh, it's a good point. Yeah. Well, Scott, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you're a good buddy. And I, <laughs> I really, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Dude, I'm, I'm proud of you for doing this. It's exciting. The, the ah, Dirk Novell podcast. Nice, nice work. It's, it's fun. I mean, you know, I, the why is I just think people don't, a lot of people don't really know what they're getting themselves into and yeah. Sometimes when you get locked into a career, it's, it's hard to get out. Um, and I just think it's interesting. I'm always interested in this kind of stuff. And, you know, the second part of the podcast is interviewing people that are at the top of their game. And you're definitely one of those people uh, in your industry. So I think that when, you know, you like what you do and it's obvious, like just listening to you, we've hung out many times, but we haven't had these types of conversations uh, I mean, I can tell you really like what you do and you're genuinely interested in becoming part of the, your client's team. And, you know, that's ultimately, yeah. if you're faking it, I think your success is going <laughs> to only go so far and you obviously are a genuine and authentic. So, um, thanks again, Scott. I, uh, I'm going to be running off to my daughter's graduation here in a little bit, 
but I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, enjoy that. But thank, thanks for having me and uh, uh, appreciate it. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care. And- Thank you.